Welcome to Life City Church. This podcast was created so that you could get a sneak peek at what God is doing here. Our mission is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, this morning, I, I, on this, first of all, I want to say happy fathers to all the fathers this morning. We give you honor. Thank you for being here today. Amen. Um, glad to have you with us this morning, and I hope you have felt the presence of our Heavenly Father in this place. I know I have, and during our worship, and uh, it's important every time we gather to respond to His presence, amen, and every time we're in His presence. So this morning we're going to continue in our series that we started last week titled Wells, um, and titled Wells. There we go. There we go. Throwing the media team under the bus here this morning. Already, just just two minutes into it. Um, and so, uh, last week uh, we started reading in Genesis, and um, we're going to continue in Genesis. Is that all right with everybody? Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 25, I'm going to read a couple verses and then I'm going to kind of give you a backdrop of, of what we're reading. It's just two verses, they're not very long, um, but Genesis chapter verse 5 is the first one we have up, and it says this, and Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Skipping down to verse 11 of the same chapter, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well, the Haroi. Okay? So in verse 5, we find Abraham making a transfer of estate to his son Isaac. This is what's taking place here. Um, he also, if you read the next few verses, he also gives gifts to his other sons. Um, and, uh, but he sends them, after he gives them gifts, he sends them away from Isaac. So the question is this then, what's so different about what Isaac received? What's so interesting? And so Isaac, most scholar, biblical scholars believe that Isaac received the lion's share of Abraham's wealth, of all the things that Abraham had gathered in his life. They believe that Isaac received uh, most of his father's wealth. And, um, but this isn't really what set Isaac apart from Abraham. Remember anybody in Sunday school used to sing that song, Father Abraham? Father Abraham, and you, you, you get all, get everything moving in your head, and yeah, it looked like a rag doll, looked like Woody. Uh, so, um, so Abraham passes on something that separates Isaac from his other sons. He passes on something even greater than his wealth his earthly wealth. And I'll say this to all the fathers in here. And sure, 
make sure that what you pass down and pass on to your children is more than just tangible things that can be touched. Amen. Um, you need to pass on to them something that can truly change their life and their eternity. Amen. It's not just about uh, setting them up with... Um, you know, enough funds to buy their first car or buy their first house. All those things are well and good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing you pass down, then you haven't given them the greatest gift that a father can give a child. And that is the love of God Almighty buried deep inside their heart. Amen. Amen. Fathers, we have, we have a lot of dads in our society now that um, uh, are just not fulfilling the role of the father. They're not uh, passing on the things. And, and so because of that, and it's been happening for several generations, and because of that, we have generations being raised that have very little of what we would call a moral compass. And it's because somewhere along the way, and I'm not putting all the weight on the fathers, but there's a lot of weight to put on the fathers. Somewhere along the way, haven't fulfilled their role that God has called us to fulfill. And as much as we can set them up for success, I can set London and Grayson up, and I can have $100,000 in their bank account, and you know what? In two years, they can blow it. And what has that money done? except gone to waste. But what's more important is that I put a love for the things of God in their heart. As, as from an early age that I just, that, that, that I put something in them and I pass a love for the Word of God into their heart. You know why that's important? Because my father passed that on to me. I've got a lot of things. My, um, this is the second Father's Day without my dad. Passed away in 2020. I miss him dearly. Uh, my dad left a lot of things to me. One of the things I love the most is, is my dad was a lover of pocket knives. And I've got a whole case of pocket knives that my dad just collected. Some of them are the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, but, and some of them still have blood from an elk. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been there a minute. Um, and, uh, but this knife here, my dad used to carry, um, as long as I knew, just a single blade, little pocket knife. Just, I mean, and, and I'll tell you this, dads, if you don't carry a pocket knife, you need to man up and carry a pocket knife. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope that didn't offend somebody. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you never know when you're going to need one. Um, it just, it's just a great tool to have. Anyways, um, I lost some people there, but um, this, this pocket knife here, um, this thing's really, really sharp. There's a lot of uses, and I love this thing. I carry it uh, on a daily basis, um, and one day, I'm probably going to use it uh, to scare some boys away from my girls. <laughs> More likely, what's going to happen, boys come around, they walk up to meet me, and I'm going to pull out this pocket knife, and... Um, and just see, see how committed they are. Um, but even as much as I love this pocket knife, the thing I remember most about my dad is his love for this. Uh, I never knew my dad 
not to be in the Word of God. I never knew him, uh, even in his uh, later years as he developed ALS, and he lost the ability to speak. I would go out to the truck, and I'd get in the truck, and as much as me and my dad had this common bond of things, um, of songs sung by George Jones and Jim Reeves, um, I, would, I would open the door to the truck, and it, and it wasn't George Jones, Jim Reeves singing uh, Four Walls. It was somebody narrating the Word of God. It was, it was somebody reading Scripture uh, over the radio or by, uh, my dad still had tapes, and my dad was old school. Uh, in, 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 or CD, or he, he liked uh, Sirius XM radio, and he would go to, to channels where he could constantly absorb the Word of God. And so the greatest thing my dad passed down to me was a love for the Word of God. This knife, there's going to come a day where it's going to rust, and it's going to fall apart, and it's not really going to be good for nothing. But there's never a day in your life that the Word of God isn't valid. There's never a day in your kid's life, in your grandkid's life, where the Word of God cannot minister to them, cannot help them. And until God comes back to carry His church away, this Word must be hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against Him and, and have it engrafted and engraved on the tables of our heart. This is the greatest heritage we can pass down to our children and our grandchildren. Amen? Amen. And so, you need to talk to your children about the Word of God, about the love and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Let them know when money fails you and people fail you, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. These are truths. These are absolutes in, in, in the Word of God that God is faithful. I don't care what your situation, I don't care what you're going through, God is faithful in that. Amen. Uh, sometimes we don't feel God. Well, that doesn't change God because I don't feel Him. God is constant. He's basically the only constant thing that we have in this world. Everything in this world can move and shift and change. God is constant. And so your life with something that never changes, align it with God and the Word of God. And He will always direct you the way you need to go. Amen? Amen. So Isaac was the lineage of which God's promise and covenant with Abraham would continue to flow. Greater than Abraham's wealth, Abraham passed on something to Isaac. He passed on the promise of God. He passed on the covenant of God. He, he, and so Isaac would be that avenue that his covenant would continue to flow. We are a recipient because Abraham passed on that promise and that covenant to Isaac. You and I sitting here, uh, though we may not be uh, from a, a Jewish descent, uh, we are recipients of the covenant and the promise that God gave to Abraham. And Abraham understood the importance of passing on the things of God to his children. Amen. And so we find this significant in Scripture because about a dozen times that I could find, we find where Scripture reads, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God, I am the Lord of Isaac, 
of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over and over again, we find that in Scripture. Why is that, uh, uh, why is that being made? Because God wanted us to understand that it's not just about one generation. And we pray and we seek God for the here and now. God, change my today. Give me favor tomorrow. But God's looking at generations. He's looking at entire nations, not just Weatherford, Texas. He's looking at enti- the entire world world, every life and every soul. And so when we seek God and we call upon Him, amen, understand this, God is moving in areas, in, 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 in generations that we haven't even asked Him for because that's just how good God is. And so by speaking that, God was confirming the lineage of the promise and the covenant. Isaac was being handed down something from his earthly father that was divinely attached to his heavenly father. Amen. Abraham was making sure that his God, the the one that he knew to be the great I Am, God Almighty, the one that that delivered, the one that, that, that his Jehovah Jireh that delivered the ram on that mountaintop that day, he wanted to make sure that that God was going to be the God of Isaac. Amen. And so he passed on some things. So it's here that Abraham passes on to Isaac the blessing of the promise that God made with him and the covenant between them. And this all happens around a well called Leheroi. We are first introduced to this well in chapter 16. And so if you have your Bibles, or we'll put it up on the screen, In chapter 16 of Genesis, God has promised Abram. He's Abram at this point. God's promised Abram children. But it's been some years and still no children has come. And so Abram's wife, Sarai, suggests that Abram take Sarai's slave girl, Hagar, and have a child with her. And so this plan is successful, and Hagar conceives. However, as might be expected, strife and jealousy ensue. (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? Two women in the same house, after the same man. Doesn't surprise me. Those dudes in other ideologies that have multiple wives, they're crazy. They have lost their ever-loving mind. I mean, I do good to make sure my wife is, has everything. I mean, if I had to handle four of them, like, just check me out. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I digress. So, there was some strife that ensued between Hagar and, and Sarai. So... Uh, Abram tells Sarai to deal with the situation however she sees fit. And so she mistreats Hagar, treats her poorly, and Hagar runs away, fleeing into the desert. And then we read of the origin of this well, the Heroi, as a place that is named. Verse 8 of Genesis chapter 8 defines Hagar near a spring in the desert. 
And it was the spring that is, is beside the road to Shur. And the angel says to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? And she answers, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And then in verse 9, the angel of the Lord says to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. That's a hard thing to do, man, when somebody mistreats you, is to return unto their, under their authority. That takes a lot of humility and submission. Verse 10, he goes on, he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord said, also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. And then what is very interesting to me, skipping down two verses to verse 13. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. Spoken to her, she said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So the well that was named Laheroi literally means the well of him that lives and sees me or the well of the vision of life. And so Hagar names the location this because the living God, her heavenly Father, saw her situation and intervened to give a hopeless woman hope and comfort. Amen. I want to tell somebody here this morning that God sees you. God sees you. Your heavenly Father sees where you are at. He knows what's going on in your life. He is paying attention. He has not turned a deaf ear to you. He has not turned a blind eye to you. He has not forsaken you. He has not left you. He is standing there with you. He knows what's going on. It is moving his heart. It is touching his heart. He, he knows where you're at. Amen. And so we go back to Isaac. Isaac is noted in, in, in Genesis 24 and 62. He's noted to be living around this well titled Laheroi. But in Genesis 25, happened at this well. For one, it is where Isaac is standing when he first lays, eye, lays eyes on Rebecca. He meets his future at this well. And, and Rebecca becomes his wife that would eventually give birth to Joseph. Amen. And you know the story of Joseph. And it is at this well that Isaac first lays eyes on Rebecca, then it's at this well that there is a transfer, transferring that happens from his father Abraham to him. Isaac has a son named Jacob. And Jacob, like his father, has a heritage 
and a promise and a blessing passed down and on to him. And after Isaac dies, Jacob sets his house, digs a well, and builds an altar. Man. Why is the well so important? I mentioned last week it's the gathering place. But there is a well of the Holy Ghost that desires to flow into every single one of your lives. And it's a well that changes everything it touches. It's a well that, 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 that moves and empowers you and I to live above sin. Does that mean we never make a mistake? No. But it means I have that sin does not have power over my life. Why? Because the well of the Holy Ghost is springing up in my life and it's continually flowing. And, and like I said earlier, it's not that I have one single drink from. It's something that I must revisit time and time and time again. And so we find Isaac's life changes at this well, this well where, where that, that is named that God sees you. Amen. And so here is where Isaac's life changes. And then Jacob digs his well, builds his house, and builds an altar. And all that history and all of those facts. And fast forward to the New Testament. And Jesus and the disciples are traveling. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, I've got to go through Samaria. And they're like, why in the world would you go through Samaria? That's the last place any Jew would ever want to travel. And so Jesus sends his disciples on and Jesus goes and he hangs out at a well. And it is notably called Jacob's Well a well that Jacob built, the one that he built and built his house around and built an altar around. And, and at an awe of the day, because of her living circumstance, this woman ventures out to draw water from this well. She doesn't come when the normal time in the evening was to come draw water for the, late, for the women. She comes at an odd time, the heat of the day. She ventures out to this well so that she could be all by herself. And there stands Jesus. And they have this conversation. And in this conversation, he, Jesus starts talking about a well. And then we find in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Jesus answers and says unto her, Whosoever drinks of this well, of this water, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Anybody believe that? Anybody experience that in their life? Amen. The well of the Holy Ghost springing up into your life. It quenches every thirst. 
it, it, it fills every void in your life. Why? Because that's why He came. That's why we have what we have throughout the New Testament and the book of Acts. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost was to fill the void in lives because lives are full of mistakes and there's pain and there's brokenness and things that, that cause shattering of lives. But when you come and you partake of the well of the Holy Ghost, there is healing in the flow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a mending that happens. There is a touch that is so powerful. Amen. I've seen it change people's life. I watched a man at a church I was at in, in Maryland. Uh, I watched this man. He, everybody knew him in the area as Big Mike. And he was this big, big guy. He's a drug dealer. And he had long hair. And every time we saw him, he lived in the neighborhood around the church. He, he, had, he had a paper bag with, with, you know, with an ice cold uh, something in it. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't iced tea, I can promise you that. And, 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 and he was, that's all he had. And he was known to be this drug dealer. And I never forget the Sunday morning worships going on. And I look in the back and Big Mike standing in the back. And after just a few minutes, he may, the ushers help him to a seat in the back. And he's standing there. And you look back and big old tears start coming down his face. What's happening? The well of the Spirit was flowing. Because let me tell you this, when you allow the well of the Holy Ghost to begin touching things in your life, it's going to enact a response. There's going to be things that it touches that are tender and people cry and people weep and people shout and people dance and, and, and people respond in all different ways. Why are they responding that way? Because the flow of the Spirit has touched something in their life that is tender, something in their life that may have been there that happens, something fear that has gripped their mind all of a sudden leaves because when the Spirit flows, the perfect love of the Father flows with it and His grace and His mercy flows. And it was just a, just a little while longer Big Mike got out of the seat, out of the, the pew. They had pews back then. Got out of the pew and made his way down to the front of that church. And, and right in the middle of worship, he was the only one down there. Had a ponytail down to the middle of his back. Had a beard down to the middle of his chest. He laid his life down before God. And God filled him with the baptism of the Spirit right there in the middle of that church. Why? Why? Because Big Mike walked in longing for something that he didn't understand, seeking something that he wanted more than the next drink of alcohol or the next hit of, 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 of some kind of drug. He longed for something that would truly change his life, not just change and numb his moment. He wanted something so powerful that he would leave a changed man and he found the well of the Holy Ghost flowing. And that same power is in this place today. That same anointing is in this place today. And if there is some part of you you want changed, all you have to do is be willing to draw from the well of the Holy Ghost today. Amen. I want my wife to come.
And so Jesus stands there talking to this woman. And she's like, you, you just don't understand. And Jesus is like, no, I, I do understand. You've had four or five husbands. The one you're with now is not your husband. Either she had a poor choice of men or she was a doozy to live with. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> but Jesus tells her, I see you. I see the plight of your life. I see what's going on in your mind. I know why you come here by yourself when nobody else comes here. I, I, I know the thoughts that are rampaging your mind. What's he doing? He's telling her, just like the angel did Hagar, I see you. And this morning, I want you to know, I want somebody to know here that God sees you. He sees every thought that you fight against. He sees your pain, your mistakes, your failures. He sees the fear. He sees the things that keep you up at night. He sees it. And he wants to give you freedom here in this place today. He wants to free you from those things. And so he comes this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And he comes. Why does he come? And why does he stand here? Because he comes and he stands here as a flowing well. Offering a regenerated life, offering new life, offering forgiveness of sin, offering grace and mercy, offering life everlasting, offering a quench for what your soul thirsts after. Would you stand with me? With your eyes closed, I'm going to make an invitation today. I'm going to invite anybody that wants to to come and make an altar of this, the front of this building here this morning. But I can't make you. The old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make your And when does the horse drink when it gets thirsty enough? So if you're thirsty this morning for something of God, that thirst can be quenched by the well of the Spirit this morning. But it's going to take you 
stepping out and drawing the water. I can't do it for you. Like I said last week, Abraham dug his wells, but they were covered. So Isaac had to redig, and Isaac had to put his hands, get his hands involved in digging his wells. Paul wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So as I open up this altar and as my wife begins to sing, I wonder if there is a thirst in you that longs to be filled. If there's something in you that you long to have God mend it, heal it, change it. I want to invite you and everyone else that would to come. Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you were blessed in some way by the message. To learn more about us, check out www.mylifecitychurch.org or you can contact us at info at mylifecitychurch.org. Thank you once again for joining us and we hope you have a great week.